Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. As always, the Greatest Games Podcast is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. We don't put any limits. It can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a B-team coach, a AAU coach, whatever they want, just a game they consider to be their greatest game. Chris, we are heading back to South Carolina, to the high school ranks, to North Augusta, South Carolina. That's not Augusta, South Carolina, Augusta, Georgia. Excuse me. Let me get my geography right. North Augusta, South Carolina, Fox Creek's head coach. He's just finished his seventh year. Andrew Peckham, welcome to the greatest games. I appreciate it, guys. Looking forward to it. Appreciate you having me on. And we found out Andrew Peckham is an organic listener of this podcast. So there is one. One that we didn't have to force to listen to. Andrew found us uh, through um, his buddy Andy Pitt, who we had on. Uh, what's, what's the name of Andy Pitt's high school? I can't remember it now. Chesney. Chesney, that's right. That's right. He was from Union, but uh, yeah. Coach right. Chesney. Right. And Episode Andy's 22. Good, Andrew's a good friend of Andy's and heard the podcast <laughs> and said he actually liked it. So, uh, so Andrew gets as much time as he wants on the podcast, pretty much. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And also for our listeners too, Andrew, yeah, as an organic listener, he reached out to us. He he hit us up on the DMs and and Twitter, reached out, wanted to be on the show. And we obviously welcome that. So coach, we just appreciate you reaching out. We're excited to have you on. Absolutely. Well, coach, why don't you take us uh, through your resume there? We talked about a little bit off air, but give the listeners a little taste of where you've been and how you've gotten to where you are now there at uh, Fox Creek high school. Yeah. So, um, I was born and raised in Columbia. Uh, went to Ben Lippin School in Columbia. Um, played football, basketball, and baseball for Ben Lippin. Um, and uh, from there, I went on to play. Uh, I was actually a very marginal basketball player in high school. Uh, was a little bit better at baseball and went on to Erskine College uh, for a year on a baseball scholarship and um, then decided to come back to the University of South Carolina my sophomore year. Of college and um, from there uh, I was actually 20 years old uh, junior at the University of South Carolina and uh, had an opportunity to interview at a small skis of class a school called Covenant Christian School for their head varsity boys basketball job um, and the headmaster at the school at the time uh, made the decision it was quite a risk I think uh, at me being 20 uh, but hired me on uh, as, as the varsity boys coach at Covenant. And um, I was there for four years. Um, and when I got there, the, uh, the program was 0-20 the year I, I, I got hired. Uh, and so we went through a tough year my first year, but was able to kind of end up getting those guys by third year to a 22-7 uh, and record, a Final Four appearance in the Skiza uh, playoffs, state playoffs. And um, so had some success uh, from there. Um, I went on to uh, I went on to coach at uh, uh, well I was at uh, Brooklyn Casey for a time. I was doing my student teaching in my master's program after my covenant years, and uh, so I worked with Ricky Balknight for a summer uh, over at Brooklyn Casey, and uh, then ended up at Hammond as the head JV coach. Uh, got a call from uh, Mark McClam at the time. He was the head coach at Hammond. 
and uh, was his JV coach and varsity assistant there for a year. That was seventh Woods, eighth grade year uh, at Hammond. And uh, so then I was there a year, and then uh, when actually the, uh, the next year was my first full-time teaching and coaching uh, job, and that was after I finished my master's program at Carolina, and that was at Airport High School in West Columbia. I worked under Jimmy Kynard, who's done a great job in there uh, numerous years. And um, so I had a chance to work under him, learned a lot um, from, from both of those guys at Hammond and Airport, and um, then ended up uh, interviewing for the Fox Creek job uh, that next year, that next summer, late summer. And um, uh, Josh Trahan, uh, the principal here at Fox Creek, he's still here, uh, hired me on. And uh, so I've been here uh, seven years and had some success and been fortunate to coach some, some really uh, high character players and uh, talented players. And um, so it's, it's uh, been an interesting, uh, interesting run, uh, especially starting from when I was only 20 years old. Pretty, pretty neat to see, you know, uh, over these years. <clears throat> That's awesome. Brian, I am going to uh, regale you with a little uh, trivia here. Oh, love it. This do. is my favorite this part of the show. This is more to give you trivia facts. I'm not going to ask you trivia questions. Andrew Ooh. talked about being a baseball player, but then becoming a basketball coach. Currently, there's a big-time Division One coach who played baseball in high school and is a basketball coach. And uh, I'll give you a hint. We interviewed one of his assistants recently. I'm pretty sure you. I heard you say you're not going to ask me the question. So I'm just, yeah, just right. going to take this as just you just giving information, which okay, is great. Okay, yeah. Steve, Steve Forbes at Wake Forest was a college baseball player. Oh. And, and so were Rick Callahan and Ernie Nestor were both college baseball players. How about that? And have been long-time college basketball coaches. So, huh. So Andrew is following along in that proud tradition. Following right in line there. That's Yeah, I, I mean, and added on to that, I, I just got some buddies from high school and stuff, and some of them still can't believe I, I'm a basketball coach. <laughs> they, they, just, they always saw me as more of a baseball guy. Right. Because uh, that was kind of what I was a little more gifted in. Um, but I always loved basketball. Uh, I, I just – I love the sport. And, and studied it, wanted, wish I was a little better player. <laughs> but uh, uh, so it's been neat. It's been neat. <clears throat> Andrew, I want to start with you as a 20-year-old getting a head job. And I don't care what level it is, but Skisa 1A basketball is still good basketball. So take me into the gym. I, I, I'm super curious about the first time you walk in there for a kid meeting, parent meeting, first practice, first game as a 20-year-old coaching varsity basketball. Tell me all about that. Yeah. Uh, well, number one, that first year, you know, everything's not wins and losses. But, um, you know, they were coming off a really tough season, and I kind of came in, and, and we went through a tough season, uh, wins and losses. Well, we were 3-18 three, three and 18, uh, my first year. And um, But i tell you a funny story, Brian. Uh, we – when I was at Covenant, I had my guys, when I first took the job, wear ties to away games. And I wore a tie myself to the games. And I will probably say at least that first year, four or five um, coaches of the opposing schools mistaken me for a player. I mean, when <laughs> I, we're walking in the gym, hey, where's, you, where, where's y'all's coach? And, um, you know, I was kind of embarrassed, but I just uh, – I'm Coach Peckham. I'm the head coach, you know, but uh, 
I really kind of blended in because these guys were 17, 18 years old. Right. They were juniors and seniors. I mean, we really, it was, um, it was crazy, but I, I really matured at a, at a, at a young age. You have to, I mean, just think about, you know, at that age, you've got to, I was trying to establish myself as a head coach. And, and even though my, even though at, at the age I was, and, um, there were some struggles there, um, especially that first year, um, trying to get the respect of the players and everything. Um, it, that, that's going to happen anywhere, even at what age, when you come into a new program. Um, but uh, like I said, by year three, when we had all that uh, success, uh, uh, went 22-7 and seven and um, lost to a good Palmetto Christian team out of, out of Charleston uh, in the Final Four. Um, and uh, But you know, it, it was uh, it, it was fun, but that that was probably the the best story was just uh, getting mistaken for a player as a head coach. I, I, just, <laughs> I just I find that super fascinating. And Chris, I'm gonna we'll jump in here before you ask your next question. I I figured out really early I wanted to coach, and so my freshman year at Carolina. I decided during Christmas break to go back, and I'm a Wilson Hall kid. I don't know if I told you that. Okay. Um, so I went back to coach uh, just to help help coach Tally during the Christmas break. And I remember walking in thinking, like, yeah, I know some basketball. Walking into practice, like, oh, wait a minute. I'm on the other side of the whistle here. I have no idea what I'm doing. And then it got to where I think it was JV at the time or B team or whatever. Coach couldn't uh, coach a game over Christmas break, so I coached the game. And I remember just in the huddle staring at the kids like, I have no idea what to say what to do how you know and just anyway so I was super fascinated to hear you as a 20 year old doing that and it's incredible it's part of the incredible part of your story yeah and I mean I would say basketball wise I was such a novice uh I mean I, I knew about I played in high school clearly but I mean I really leaned on my high school coach I was giving I mean I called him almost daily I mean he came to practices even because he wasn't coaching at the time and uh, so he kind of helped me out, but I mean, just just uh, having having Coach Emmert, Lonnie Emmert, to to uh, to lean on a little bit, you know, because you're, uh, you're you're you know, it's just kind of uncharted territory, you know, at that at that point. But um, but really neat experience, and I'm I always tell people I'm forever grateful uh, to the headmaster at Covenant uh, for hiring me uh, because I was kind of a period where I was trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do in life. And uh, so when I when I kind of took that leap and he, he took that leap on me to hire me, um, it really kind of gave me that jump start going forward to where I am now. Andrew, I'm 42 and I'm still trying to figure it out, so don't worry about <laughs> it. It's all good. Uh, to, to piggyback what we've been talking about there with starting out so young, is there something maybe you look back at now and you're like, why did I do that? Or what, what was I doing there? Or maybe a belief that you changed or, or just something that maybe you did really because you were so young starting off that you look back at now and you're like, boy, that was silly. <laughs> uh, let's see. I actually do have one thing uh, on that question. <laughs> My second year, so I guess I'm 21 at the time at Covenant, um, well, at least you can go out and celebrate a win by getting a beer now. That year. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but <laughs> we, um, th th I was coaching a game and, um, just was getting heated. My team was playing poorly. The game was being officiated poorly, in my opinion. Um, two of my star players at Covenant had gotten in early foul trouble. And um, I, I'm, 
can be known a little bit, I've cooled down, but can, can be a little bit of a hothead at times on the sideline, especially in, the, in my, my earlier part of my career. And um, just made a brutal mistake in terms of, I don't remember exactly what was said to the official, um, but I, I said something and, and um, he said something back and I ended up kicking a chair uh, right there on the bench. I kicked it. We were, they had chairs at the, the gym we were at and I kicked one over and he teed me up and um, I, uh, I looked at him. I said, really? And, uh, and I had a clipboard in my hand and I just chucked the clipboard right there in front of me, uh, in front of the bench. And he gave me another tee and ejected me. And um, that was so, that was 21 years old, second year. And I was ejected, it was like third quarter. And um, got, a, got a text uh, from the headmaster at Covenant. Uh, he, was, he wasn't at the game, but he had heard about what had happened. Um, and uh, texted me and said, be in his office at 7 a.m. Uh, Tuesday night game, so Wednesday morning. That was a coaching career. That yeah, was <laughs> so I go in his office, and he, he literally looks at me, and he says, this will be the last time that you act in that kind of manner uh, at Covenant Christian School. And, and, and on the sideline and being, you know, you know, kind of just gave me a lesson about being an example for the kids and everything else. And so, uh, you know, I learned at that point, all right, I need to, I need to cool myself down. I'm just such a competitor uh, that, and I've never had anything, Chris, probably anything like that ever again. Uh, that was something I learned very early. You can't let your emotions get that out of hand where you're kicking a chair and slamming a clipboard and getting ejected, you know? So, and obviously now with the high school league, they've, they've upped fines and, and different things for ejections, you know? So, uh, uh, but obviously that's, you know, there's no, there's no reason that a coach needs to get to a point of an ejection. In yeah. my opinion. So I like the way you I like the way it sounds like your headmaster handled it too. There was not, it was there was no discussion. There was no, and it wasn't. You know, he just said that will be the last time. That's it. There's no, there, yeah. there was nothing unclear about what he said. There, it sounds right. Like. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's so much about that story that I love, and uh, and Chris, I'm with you about the headmaster. I mean, what a a beautiful, really coaching relationship he had. Sounds like he had with you. And you as a 21-year-old to be able to learn and grow through those mistakes and for him to be able to give you that leeway or a little bit of rope to say, all right, you've done it. It's just not going to happen again. And for you to be able to have uh, the wherewithal within you to say, oh, wait, I need to change some things. I need to figure some things out and get a little bit better moving forward. And so that'll take me to my question. You, I, I can just knowing you for a few minutes here can tell you are somebody that studies your craft, getting better every day. Uh, so I'd love to hear about some of the things that you do to continuously improve as a coach and maybe including some of the mentors that you, that you talk to on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so I try to attend clinics. Um, I've been to several different clinics. I mean, numerous clinics over the years. Um, and uh, so that's been a great way to kind of connect and learn. I'm always, I mean, I'm a lifelong learner of the game as we all should be. Um, you know, and I've had to, at Fox Creek, uh, we don't always have necessarily the, uh, the absolute best athletes and best basketball players. And sometimes year to year here at Fox Creek, I've had to adapt uh, certain strategies within the game of basketball 
whether it's um, I've always been more of a matchup zone guy because we've been so undersized and um, and depth is usually an issue. Uh, and so, uh, you know, but there's been times where I've had teams that, you know, need to slow it down or there's times where, I, I you know, we need to get up and, and run. Both sides need to press a little bit. But, I mean, I, you're always learning different things. Um, uh, also work the uh, – the Peach Jam, I don't know if y'all have had a chance to attend that. and It's in North Augusta every year. Okay. Uh, the Nike Peach Jam, an unbelievable tournament. Um, if you haven't been, I've worked it every year since I've been here. And, uh, man, it's the who's who of college basketball coaches. Uh, it's the who's who of NBA players. Um, there's at least four, five, six, you know, NBA guys in there that have teams. Uh, obviously, it got canceled uh, this, this July, unfortunately, with the pandemic going on. Um, but that's been a great uh, opportunity uh, as I've met some college coaches and uh, just by working that, uh, working that camp. And then, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I just had a, uh, was at a clinic, I guess it was last summer, the SEACA clinic and had an hour discussion with Tim Whipple. I mean, just, uh, I never really got to know coach Whipple, obviously had a ton of respect. And he sat down with me at a restaurant and, uh, you know, just, just to, just to, to, to hear uh, how he runs his program, the things that he's done over the years, because uh, obviously he's had tremendous success. And um, so, you know, a guy like that, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Davis. He was at Newberry College, oh, yeah. uh, the head coach. He's uh, up with uh, uh, Pat Kelsey up at Winthrop. Uh, he's the associate head coach. Dave, uh, I got to sit in a round table with him several years back when he was at Newberry, and I really kept up with him via text. It's been neat to see him land at Winthrop as the associate head coach. They're having some tremendous success. We're going to continue to have some success up, up, up there at Winthrop. So uh, those are just some names, uh, you know, of, of mentors and, and ways that I've tried to seek out to, uh, you know, to expand my knowledge, to to, uh, uh, you know, continue to pursue my craft of, of coaching and, and motivating players and, um, and, and, and those kind of type things. Well, I think it's – you talked about meeting Coach Whipple at the conference. I don't know if he was speaking or not, but it's amazing when you see guys like that at clinics and conferences, you know, guys who are that accomplished and have won that many games. You see them still going to things to learn things. Yeah. Well, it yeah, and as, he wasn't speaking actually. He was just there and and still kind of picking up on some things and um, and that was the thing with Coach Davis. I met him the first time at, at one of the uh, uh, SCACA clinics, and you know, and he was there. Not not a ton of college coaches are at those things. Uh, it's a lot of high school, you know, but uh, he's just learning. And and that was one thing Coach Davis said. He said, "Man, I am always trying to pick up something, or or you know, any ideas that." Even a high school coach or a JV coach, it didn't matter to Coach Davis. You know, I mean, he's always trying to. So I, I've taken that to, to never feel like as a coach, hey, I know how to coach basketball. I know this is what we're going to do, and this is this is the only way to win. This is the only way that you know you've got to be willing to adapt and, and always learn. You know, so the the quote goes: If you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> I love that one. Well, I'll tell you what, 
you know, Andrew, that the name of the podcast is the greatest games podcast. So at this point in time, we know you've got a couple of fun games to tell us about. So we'd love to hear about the greatest games that you've been a part of with as much information as you can tell us why these games are so special to you. Take us into the gym. Take us there. The greatest games. All right. Uh, so there's obviously there's a couple games I've coached that I wanted to, to, to hit on that are kind of the greatest games for me personally. But I, I will say just being a, a, um, a uh, South Carolina Gamecock graduate, uh, having the opportunity to go to the Bon Secours Arena in Greenville um, for the round of 32 game versus Duke uh, when uh, uh, Frank Martin and the, and the guys being there for that was really neat. Uh, you know, nobody was given 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 the Gamecocks much of a chance in that game. Uh, you know, with Jason Tatum and some of the guys that Duke had, but uh, I drove up there for that one in Greenville, and then uh, ended up being able to fly out to the Final Four to Phoenix. Uh, and, and obviously, we 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 fell short to Gonzaga, um, but that was my first Final Four, the only Final Four I've been to. Uh, was just an unbelievable experience, and to see see the Gamecocks in that uh, in that realm, uh, which I still believe if uh, Sundarius Thornwell it wasn't sick, I think we <laughs> might have uh, we, 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 we might have been playing North Carolina for the championship. That's right. Uh, but uh, that's my opinion. Um, so, uh, but that was really neat. Uh, just a really neat experience, and. And uh, so that's got to still be up there in my greatest game, just seeing that Duke game and, and heading out to the Final Four. Uh, as far as coaching, uh, one of, a, 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 uh, I had the opportunity in 2015 to go to a state championship at a Class A level with Fox Creek. Uh, and it was a really neat experience. Um, we were not really expected to go very deep in the playoffs. Um, we, uh, we entered in the poll, I think, going into the playoffs. We were number nine in the top ten in the state. So, you know, I guess you're kind of – you're nine, you got a, maybe a chance. But uh, generally, you know, you'll kind of see the top – that year the top two teams were Burke High School out of Charleston and Calvin County, Sam Frederick uh, team. And they were one and two the whole year. And uh, so we got in the playoffs, uh, beat Greenville Tech, who was coached by uh, Clay Brazil. He just got the uh, – uh, J.L. Mann job. His son's a dormant. Okay. Uh, does, did a great job. And actually, a few, few years later, really did took Greenville Tech to, you know, I think close to an upper state championship. But uh, uh, then we, we ended up sneaking out a game against Williston Elko, who was number six in the state. So we draw Southside Christian out of Greenville. Uh, they were number four in the state, and they were huge. Uh, and um, I played six players all year long six guys so we were very well conditioned uh we 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 ran a lot uh and um but we were small didn't have a lot of size Southside Christian came in six 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 five six five this is starting lineup and and my guys are all around the six feet or less you know we just were not you know very a very big team and um so that game was just unbelievable it was uh we tried to slow the game down a little bit, uh, and um, anyway, there came a at the end of the game. All right, this is to advance to the upper state championship. 
Southside, we, we end up, we're in a situation down three late, just uh, probably 15, 20 seconds. And so we're in foul mode. Got to put them at the line. Well, I'd done the scouting. You know, all their guys were tremendous foul shooters. And there was really, they were all 80, 80% up. Uh, and so we ended up fouling their point guard who goes to the line. And, you know, if he makes one, that's a two-possession game. It's going to be pretty tough, and, you know, at that point with just 10, 10 seconds or so. And um, he steps to the line, and he, he, he leaves it short on the front end of a one-and-one. And, one. and uh, we get a rebound, and we make a quick outlet pass to one of my top players, who was my point guard as well, Brandon Queller at the time. And he makes a, a quick move on a guy at half court and, and shoots an NBA range three off balance. Um, and, it, and it goes in. And uh, we're at home, and it was the place was unbelievable. Uh, we actually didn't have our gym was being built. So we used the North Augusta uh, uh, rec department, Riverview Park, but we had packed it out. And um, so we end up, uh, <laughs> we, we end up, that sends it to OT. Well, then Brandon fouls out, my best player, early uh, in the first uh, overtime. All right. And this is where this is an interesting hot topic right now in high school basketball. But we end up, I decided at that point to hold the basketball at half court for the overtime period. Uh, and so we ended up holding for the last shot and Southside Christian allowed us to do that. Uh, and and, and um, so I think it was, yeah, it was two to two <laughs> in the overtime nice. period. Uh, and we held it. Uh, so we scored first and they scored. Then I held the ball for about three minutes and we missed the last shot. And uh, then it goes to overtime, it's, uh, double overtime. And so, you know, and everybody, by the way, you're in a playoff game in a ruckus environment. We're sitting there holding the ball at half court. I mean, it was uh, – there were people yelling, what are you doing? Shoot the ball, play. I you hope know? you were getting and, stuff thrown at you. Oh, I mean, even my own parents. My own parents were like, what are you doing? Do you know what? Mom, relax. <laughs> you know, and uh, so it was, it was nuts. And, but I just felt like with our star guy out uh, and not having the depth, I just felt if they were going to let us hold it, I was going to try to hold it. So, anyway – we go to double overtime, and we actually score on our first two possessions. We go up four, and they get in foul mode. We end up pulling away, um, hit a ton of free throws. We end up going uh, uh, shooting to 80-something percent from the line that night, and uh, we get it done, and we move on uh, to the, to the, to the uh, upper state championship. And it was just a game that I'll never forget. Um, the, way my, the, the way my guys listened, and even when we're holding it and, and doing some of those things, it was like, you know, you had to trust your coach in that moment, you know, because you, you want to win. And you're, it, it was an interesting, it was just a game that I'll never forget when I tell people to be able to, to beat those guys. And I, I felt like we were not quite as good as them on a whole. And so to win, it was pretty neat. And then, uh, and then really the second game, not as, not as cool of a, a, a play necessarily, but y'all know Zam Frederick and what his what he's you know what he's done at Calhoun County. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. You, you don't have to look very far to see the championships and the, the caliber <laughs> players he's had. Uh, and so to, to play those guys in the in the Von Secours Arena for an Upper State Championship uh, was just unbelievable. Um, and uh, we handled their you know they run full court pressure, run and jump. I mean it's uh, in your face. He's rotating guys. Um, and we handled it beautifully. We handled it beautifully. Uh, 
to this day, I, I think the college court <laughs> helps helped us just yeah. a little bit, you know, had a little more room to kind of spread the floor out. Um, and, um, but to get that, uh, Fox Creek had never really had uh, success uh, of that, never been to a state championship in any sport. Um, and so that was just a neat, neat uh, couple games, you know, in a row. And unfortunately, we fell to a, a really tough Burke team in the Colonial Life Arena. Uh, we kind of, uh, you know, I hate to say it like this, we kind of ran out of gas. I mean, we're just, like I said, playing six guys, and and, um, and and it just didn't quite happen for us. And Coach Richardson, he's still at Burke, does a great job with those guys. But uh, just a really neat, really neat uh, experience uh, that year in 2015. I want to go back to the first game. This is the third, I believe, Brian, the third coach has talked about holding the ball to win a game. I know Jeff Kohler. Right. I don't remember the second one, but I remember referencing uh, Jeff Kohler beating Pascac Valley High School. And Coach Peckham talked about it. But, Coach, I want to take you back to Brian hits that shot, right, the off-balance three. Yeah, uh, Brandon Quiller. Brandon, not Brian, Brandon Quillen. I'm sorry. Brandon hits the shot. You said it's at home. Hits a shot to go into overtime. Place is going crazy. How do you calm yourself down and then in turn calm your team down to get ready to play overtime? That's a great question. Uh, and if I'm honest with you, so 15, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good uh, uh, young coach at that time. I mean, I'm, uh, I guess, uh, mid-20s and, and with not a ton of uh, – uh, a ton of experience. And so I'll be honest with you, my emotions were running high, but you, as a coach, I learned very quickly in that moment, uh, you know, with that time after, you know, when we, when we go into the overtime period to just calm my guys down uh, and try to in the huddle, uh, you know, we talked about how uh, we, we practice for moments like that. And I know practice is different. I understand in a way with you don't have the crowd, right? You know, and so, uh, but trying to to just kind of keep those guys and and not let them realize the the magnitude of the 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 the, the moment that they're in because you didn't want to. We had never been there before. We weren't like some of these other programs who had been year in and year out had a chance to play for an upper state championship. And so, uh, uh, being able to try to Myself, just keep keep uh, everybody in the huddle. Uh, it what was even more as I called a timeout after Brandon Quiller fouled out. Fouled out, he made it a really uh, uh, not a good foul uh, at the half court line for his fifth foul going into that. I mean, in that first overtime, and I remember I called a timeout after that, a thirty, just to kind of because he was our leader. You know, I mean, with with you guys, you know what that means in that moment. He's gone. The guy that hit the big shot, he's out. And so to be able to uh, – I felt like I needed that 30-second just to calm. And then I had two of the two of my guys, seniors, step up huge in those overtime periods. I mean, huge. And, um, and it was just, it, it was just uh, an awesome, awesome game and, uh, for us to be able to, to show that kind of resolve to win a game of that magnitude. I'm going to take you to the second game you described. Now, when I was an assistant coach at Ridgeview with John Combs, we took our guys down to Calhoun County, played at their place, and you talk about just a basketball hotbed in St. Matthew, South Carolina. 
packed to the gills to watch Ridgeview and Calhoun County play. And so we, we know that that brand of basketball, it's in your face up and down. Like you said, there's running guys at you, but I'm looking at an article here from after the, uh, from after uh, you beating Calhoun County and you're quoted as saying, it means a lot. This is just a small school with not a lot of tradition and here we are making our tradition this year. So I think that's one of the things that sometimes gets lost a little bit in the shuffle is that you're right. Fox Creek is not that old of a school. Calhoun County has been around a long time and has a tradition. So I guess the question in regards to this game, but overall the whole program that you were building there is what do you want your guys to be known for? What do you want your program to be known for? And what's that tradition really all about that you're trying to build there? Yeah. Great question, Brian. Um, you know, I, it's, it, you know, I don't want to be cliche with some of the response. Um, it's not my program's not built on just wins and losses, though. And and um, obviously that's the goal. And so you know we're we're striving to win games. Um, but any of my players over the seven years that that uh, have come back, and many of them come back. Um, you know, we've organized a lot. I've organized alumni games the past five years. They've grown every year. Uh, guys just coming back and, and, and checking in with me through text and uh, social media and things. And, um, but they, every guy that's been through my program uh, knows that, you know, it's, I care more about them outside of basketball than I do about what they've done on the court. And they know that. I mean, they know uh, from, you know, from an academic standpoint, I mean, it's something that, I, you know, I'm doing uh, mandatory study halls, two-week grade checkups. I mean, it, it's important. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why you're in school. It's not just about the sports you're playing. Um, but uh, coaching uh, high-character guys, I want my guys to have high character uh, on and off the court. Um, with whatever, uh, you know, win or losing a game, you know, lining up, shaking hands, you know, not uh, 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 bad-mouthing somebody, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And we, we talk about all these things uh, from uh, I'm big on being on time, uh, you know, um, even a minute late, you're late. I mean, that's uh, could be the difference in you keeping the job or not. Um, and so all these values are things that, uh, that, you know, we, we, like I said, we talk preseason about them. We talk in season, postseason, all year long. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, and I think just, you know, you mentioned the Callum County game. That was just big for, for us as a school from, from, from a winning standpoint because there, had, there hadn't been a ton of success. And so it was neat to see all those values I'm talking about. Those guys bought in to to uh, to myself, my coaching staff, uh, each other, uh, and, and, and you know to to get that done, uh, and to win uh, against a a team and a a school of that kind of magnitude with Calum County and Coach Frederick, um, and so uh, yeah, uh, um, but it's just been uh, it's like I said, it's been a, a great process, and those were some great. Uh, great memories. Coach, I'm going to officially declare it your game, beating Calhoun County, 
is the greatest game we've talked about so far in the 20-something episodes of this podcast. And that's because we dug up this gem of a stat. Fox Creek, 30 of 36 from the foul line. <laughs> so I was going to tell you, uh, that is true. Uh, and I had a player in that game, Corn Cannon, go 14 for 16 from the line. Um, and I'll tell you this, Coach uh, Rosefield hit it uh, earlier about uh, Ridgeview going down to St. Matthews. I've played there on the road with Fox Creek, and um, they tend to – the whistles tend to be swallowed a bit uh, <laughs> down there in St. Matthews. Uh, and I knew going into that game uh, at the at the Bonds Coors Arena, I <laughs> the officials did not need to, to swallow the whistle that night. I mean, and they – you know, they call a fair game. I mean, a, a reach is a reach. Um, if you've watched Coach Frederick's teams, they're going to run two at you. And, and sometimes they get a little handsy. And um, we got those calls. We were in the double bonus early, first and second half. And, and, and like you said, to shoot uh, 36 free throws and make 30, I mean, that's uh, – now that's definitely over 80%. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we, we ended up beating them by about six or seven. Uh, but that was uh, tremendous uh, to do, especially in an arena style. We weren't used to that. I don't know. In my opinion, I think it's a little difficult to shoot on those arenas sometimes, you know, if you're not used to it because the backdrop's not the same as a high school gym. Uh, so, but tremendous job by my guys to, to kind of close that game out at the line as well late in that game. <clears throat> I love stories like that. So this, this show has just been really fascinating to bring coaches on to hear the stories, the background, and like you, you answered the question so beautifully, the tradition and everything that you're trying to build and instill in your guys there. And then to look at a game and have the evidence right there, 30 of 36, and just to prove like, oh, I'm instilling discipline. It's bigger than and 30 of 36 to see that manifest itself right there is just a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I, just, I really, I really appreciate your storytelling ability and, and, uh, and the job that you're doing down there and to see it happen on the court. So, so we, we like to finish up with, with one final question here, coach. And normally Chris likes to ask this question. I told him before the show to please let me ask this question, please. And so he is obliging me today to get to ask this one final question. So if we were to ask any of your former players, especially early on as a 20 year old or any of your players now, like what is that one mantra or what is that one thing that coach Beckham just always says? He always says it. And you know, your kids have a coach Beckham impersonation, you know, they're doing it, but what's that one thing that you just keep finding yourself saying over and over and over again as a coach? Yeah. Um, that's a tough one. I think, um, I'll tell you this. One thing in our huddles that we, we always say, you know, different coaches may say different things, but we say the word together. Um, it, it's something I, I did it back in my covenant days. I, I feel like in basketball, and I know it's in every sport, but I feel like especially now, and, 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 uh, and I just feel like making these guys understand that they are a part of something bigger than themselves by being able to play uh, high school basketball at Fox Creek and, um, and to understand that, you know, it's tough these days with social media guys and, uh, and everything to uh, – everything guys want to be there individualistic, you know. And so trying to – I would say my guys always, you know, it, it's it, – it was always in those huddles 
we're together, together on three. We're going to do this together, uh, you know, and, and building that. And there's a lot that goes into that word. It's, you know, of, of being together, but um, uh, just getting guys to buy into that, that it's uh, we're, we're, we're better as a whole than as, as parts, you know, talent wise or, you know, not just talent wise, you know, um, but uh, so I would say that's a big thing. And um, the other thing that just comes to mind that's kind of funny that my guys would say over the years, uh, I can get frustrated at practice and things at times. And, um, you know, I just, you know, it, I'll say, you know, on the baseline, on the line, everybody on the line. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a common thing. And it happened this year. It was, uh, I got to share this. It, uh, we're uh, preparing to play Louisville, very tough team, first round of the state playoffs. Uh, and um, we're, I'm going over the scouting report of practice the day before the game, and I'm talking about player personnel for Louisville. And I saw a couple of my guys kind of zoned out slash whispering, uh, and I just kind of made the I, – I, I put them on the line. Everybody on the line. I said, you guys think you're going to just – well, you know, Louisville's going to waltz in here, and this is just a, a whatever game, you know. I said, uh, you got another thing coming. And, you know, we, we ran a little bit, and then I said something else. I said, you know, you guys you guys able to beat these guys after not uh, not wanting to focus to the scout report? I said, you, you can put me on the line if, if, you, if you pull this off with the way you're, uh, you know, <laughs> something of that nature. And uh, so, anyway, the next day – uh, you know, this was in February, this February, we play unbelievable. <laughs> My guys come out, we shoot the, the eyes out of it. I had one player, a senior, Justin Freeman hit seven threes, uh, and uh, career high. And we ended up winning. We beat them by about 10 and I go in the locker room to celebrate. And as soon as I get in, I celebrated a little bit. And then the two seniors say, hold on coach, hold on now, get on out there to the line. Get on the line, you know, and and they start kind of pushing me a little bit out the locker room, and I'm like, oh, I did say that if they win, there was going to be. <laughs> so I come out here. There's still parents and, and 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 people in the gym, and and I was in a tie, and I start. They put me on the line, and they they go, and I start running. I just start run, running up and down, running sprints, and uh, and then then we kind of celebrate with each other, you know, after that, and it was. Uh, it was neat because they're just like, Coach, you're always on the line, on the baseline, everybody on the baseline. So those would be kind of the two things. <laughs> that's a great story, and that shows that you do care about the kids and you have that kind of relationship with them. So that's that's yeah. an amazing, uh, you know, that you would do that. But Coach Andrew Peckham, Fox Creek High School, we want to thank you so much for coming on the Greatest Games podcast today. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, for my co-host, Brian Rosefield, I am Chris de Blasio, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Game.